listening to Your Bright Future, a Lava Ridge counseling podcast connecting home and school, where we share tips and tools to build a bright future for our students. Hey everyone, welcome back to Your Bright Future with Mrs. J and Mr. Aldini. We're excited to have you back again. Yeah, thank you for tuning in. We're going to start a series. We're going to do maybe two or three episodes of tough topics. Mm -hmm, So this mm -hmm. is the first of our tough topics. And the three most important things we want to cover in these tough topics are pornography, Mm -hmm. video game use, and social media use. Because these are some things that we see come up over and over and over again. And, And they're tough because they're not necessarily something that parents think about when they think about their 10, 11, and 12 year old kids right? for sure for sure but the fact that our world is changing so much and we have this unique platform to kind of get directly into parents ears mm-hmm. we talk to each other and we're thinking well why don't we use this as a way to really educate parents about some of the things that are important when it comes to pornography especially yeah, today's yeah. today's topic right so some of the interesting things um, about the pornography industry that you might not know, the porn industry generates more income than the combined revenues of ABC, NBC, and CBS. Is that yeah. crazy? And more than the combined revenues of NFL, NBA, and MLB. That's crazy. So to when think you think about. about that, yeah, that's nuts. In the USA, the porn industry generates between $15 billion and $97 billion a year. Like mm. we can't even really fathom that. Yeah, no, that those numbers point. are just mind-boggling. This puts it in a little bit more perspective. Every second, $3,075.64 is spent on pornography. Yeah. Every second. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And then more people view internet pornography every month than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined. In 2016, people watched 4.6 billion hours of pornography <laughs> at just one of the more than 42 million pornographic websites. That is equivalent to 524,000 years wow. of watching porn in one year. Are you kidding? That's, That's insane. So insane. Go so, humanity. <laughs> oh my goodness. So when you think about the pervasiveness of this industry and how much money and how much time and how much effort is being put into it um it's it's not a surprise to me not at all kids are being affected and and yeah it's so interesting as a counselor because this obviously isn't a topic we ever bring up with students in our lessons around one-on-one counseling but we know just from statistics like this and, and occasionally it's brought up by students or parents but but we know a good amount of our students are accessing, you know, pornography. And we'll kind of get into the, more of the stats in a little bit. But kind of one of the underpinning kind of scientific analogies I really like with any kind of technology, but especially with pornography, um, is, is just imagine, you know, humans going back for millennia. We, we all have this hormone called dopamine, which is kind of our reward center. You know, we get, we get a dopamine hit when we have some positive pleasure in our life or a social connection or a hug from a loved one um, or a compliment from someone we care about, we, we get this little hit of a positive feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and, and often technology kind of gets stuck in this positive feedback loop that happens with video games. We'll talk about that in our video game podcast. Um, but porn is a big one of those. And in porn so often, it is taboo. It's it's done, you know, used in in the shadows, right? So it's it's not always talked about. But I the analogy I like that, that um, I read was 
humanity for so often we're like a cactus with dopamine we kind of dopamine was kind of hard to come by but in today's world thanks to technology and phones and all these other things we're kind of like cactus and rainforest where we're just drowning in dopamine and and because of that often it's more difficult to feel satisfied to feel content and happy with life and and a lot of addictions kind of take place in that and and whether that's porn or you know substances or video games or shopping or what what social media what have you but i i like that analogy of us kind of being cactus just drowning in dopamine kind of to undergird this these three episodes on pornography video games and social media in addition of course there's the straightforward negative is like straight out addiction to pornography. It can change how they see the opposite sex. And that's true for boys or girls and, and how they see themselves in their own body and their own sexuality. And, and it's just such a negative force for it, for it really can be for age, but, but especially for these young developing minds. This, this topic we feel is super important for parents because this is a conversation that needs mm-hmm. to happen between parents and their students. Like no Jared question. said, we don't often bring this up. I mean, I do teach a tiny bit about it in one of my lessons where we just mm-hmm. talk about, you know, appropriate computer use. And we talk about it in very, like, uh, age-appropriate terms. Um, give them a few of the statistics usually. But, um, but this conversation is really based on family values and what you as a family want to have be your expectation for sure. when it comes to this. And so it's so important. But it's also important for you guys, you guys to know kind of what the negative effects are, I think. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what we're going to get into today is just kind of how this can kind of affect kids in a negative way. Um, and then... Um, yeah, and, and I think it's just important to um, talk about when this is happening, right? You know, that often, especially intermediate age students, we're like, oh, my, my kids aren't into that. You know, they don't access any of that. But it it unfortunately is being seen a lot. Um, and, and obviously, any kind of survey data like this, you know, take it with... You know, there's there's always uh, what do you call it the plus or minus, right? right. Of of any survey, um, sure. the variability there. But it, but even if you give or take a little bit, the, the some of the statistics are concerning. It comes for and so looking at the 11 to 13 year old age group um, in survey data, 51 percent of students have seen it at that point, and that that's the, our demographic. It jumps up 14 to 15. We're kind of looking at middle school now. 66 percent of students have have seen it at that point um and and it's just something that is happening a lot that 14 to 18 percent of youth um 84 percent of males use regularly and 50 percent of females and it's kind of interesting and i and i we have have so much of our (laughs) numbers in front of us but one of the findings just to um point out that dads often you know are more aligned realizing that that is happening and moms often underestimate that their children are using because but because again it happens in the shadows right it's not something yeah. that your your students necessarily going to come talk to you about or or have that open frank conversation well and this this data right here in front of us says 75 percent of parents thought their child had, yeah, that's had not seen porn online but mm-hmm. in reality 53 percent had seen it and so yeah that that speaks a lot that uh that kind of discrepancy between what they think is happening and what really Mm -hmm. is happening. 
is another reason why we wanted to kind of bring this up. Yeah, and, and another one that I, I think, again, is this an awkward conversation? Yes. Is it an important conversation? Also, yes. Uh, one, one of the findings was that two-thirds of young women and almost half of young men agree with this statement. It would be easier growing up if pornography was less easy to access. And, that, and that's these, you know, school-aged children saying that. And, and how do we limit that? Obviously, having those conversations, you know, setting kind of expectations. And, and we have some tips for you to, to how to doubt. One, one simple thing, a thing that I just talk about again and again, is having a bedtime for phones. Yes. You know, is it a park? Yeah. Yeah. Tell us what that is again. What do you so, mean by that? Yeah, Just a parking lot for phones would be a place where maybe they're charged at night, where it's like out away from them, out of their bedrooms in a family location. You know, maybe it's a parent's bedroom. Maybe it's on the kitchen bar, but somewhere where that's where the phone gets parked at night. Yeah. And it's plugged in and it's charged and it's ready to go for the next day, but it's away from the child mm-hmm. so that they're not tempted. They're not sitting there and it's in their bed and it's in their hand or it's on their, you know, nightstand and they're able to just pick it up yeah. and look at it because it's that ease of use, right? Mm-hmm, like they, it's just mm-hmm. there and it's available. And I think regardless, even we're going to talk about some of the parental protections that you can put in, but even with those in place, sometimes kids have ways of getting around or more, more, I think the true, more, the more true statement is that developers have ways of getting around those things to For get sure. to your children, yeah. right? It's not like your children are actively trying to go out and find it, but the developers are finding ways to get around those parental protections in order to get to the children, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, so let's talk about some of the tips. Um, we talk about, you know, having a bedtime for phones. That's so, so important. But at, but beyond that, you can have a contract with your kids, right? I think I think it doesn't matter what you use, whether it's a parking lot or a bedtime or a you know, whatever it is, but you and your child have to agree. Mm-hmm. And so having a contract and setting those expectations and making those very clear is one of the best things you can do because then your child knows what you expect from them and they agree to it and they agree to any consequences that come from breaking those expectations or those rules, right? Mm-hmm. And so once that's set up, then it's a lot easier to enforce because then you've had like a family meeting and you've sat down and you've decided this is what our family is going to do. Mm-hmm. And you might not like it sometimes, but it's for your own good and we love you, we care about you, we want you to be protected from this. The world is a is a scary place sometimes. There's people out there that are trying to get you to look at this yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Like actively it's their job. That's what they get paid to do, right? Oh. So they're 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 trying to, you're trying to protect them. And so I think your children can understand that, especially if you get to them at a young age, no. right? It's a lot harder when they're older. We've talked about this before too. Mm-hmm. It's a lot harder to start to police a child's, you know, use of a phone or, or technology when they're older than when they're younger. For and sure. So this is a great thing to do at our age, at our and, age level. And, and, and the average age of first exposure is 11. And that's getting younger all the time. And, and again, that's the average. So that means that there's other, there's some children that see it for the first time much younger than that. Yeah. So with with that kind of light, we want to, you know, just have that conversation early. You know, if you have elementary age kids, obviously upper elementary, it's not too early to do that. But definitely in the sixth and seventh grade, having those conversations. Yeah. And, and I mean... I, I love this example, you know, the, uh, kind of in quotes, but a way you can kind of initiate that conversation. On the internet, you might see, you may see things you don't understand, like pictures or videos of people without clothes on doing things you haven't seen before. If you come across any of these pictures or videos, come tell me and we can talk about it. 
and and again awkward, right? <laughs> this is I my my oldest is six right now, and I I dread the day when I have this conversation and talk about these kind of things. But I know what's going to happen. I I know it. You know, from being a teenage boy myself before phones and just having friends and TV that had pornography in it and those be, things being accessible. But now in the age of tablets and smart devices, it is there. They're going to have friends. They're going to stumble upon stuff. Like like you said, Tanya, there, there's developers who want to push this on younger and younger kids so they get them. Well, I saw a out. TED Talk one time that, where they talked about uh, YouTube autoplay. Mm-hmm. And it talk, they talked about, and you can Google the TED Talk about this, but... Um, they talked about how within 13 autoplays for young children, it will turn to something pornographic. That's crazy. And, I, and, you know, you can test it even. I I didn't test it. I watched, he kind of had it in the TED Talk kind of an example of what happened, but they turn on something innocuous like Mickey Mouse or Bluey or something, mm-hmm. right? But then the autoplay, every video would just kind of be a little bit more... <laughs> Slippery. Kinda, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Becoming then, more and more adult. And, right. Uh, yeah, Until, yeah. And they looked like, they looked like children's shows. They looked like cartoons or they mm. looked like, you know, adults dressed in sure, sure, costumes sure. or whatever. But, but they were not. They were very adult topics. Yeah. And so it's just, you have to just, I don't think you can be too careful. I don't think you can, as a parent, be too vigilant about some of the things that are out there. No, for sure. And, and I think... A common theme, again, that we talk about all the time in this podcast is is having that conversation without judgment, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could almost assume that your child has seen this stuff yeah. not, and, and, and in some cases regularly partaking of it, right? And, and it's important if you want to have that open communication that you don't drop the hammer down when they come. You know, if you imagine your daughter or son coming up to you and just being like, mom or dad, I... I wanted to talk to you about something. And, and if, imagine how vulnerable they are in that situation where they're coming to you, maybe seeking help, maybe seeking support and not knowing what to do with these, these heavy, heavy things. And then you come down with judgment or punishment or, you know, anger. They're not going to want to open up again on whatever topic it is that they're feeling vulnerable. You want to respond with love, with empathy, with, uh, and the big thing, just not judging. That doesn't mean you have to be okay with it, saying, oh, tell me what you're watching, you know, no, nothing, sure. nothing like that. But, but again, you love them through it so that they'll kind of be open with you in that. And, and I think it's so important to, have, to talk about, you know, sexual porn versus real life differences, right? I mean, one out of every eight porn titles shown to first-time users on the porn, on porn homepages has acts of violence in it, sexual acts of violence. And this is not what we want modeled for anybody, but especially our kids, our students. And, and again, so kind of having those tough conversations about the difference between real-life sexual you know, activities, again, obviously with your family kind of framework and expectations and, and um, what what you want to happen in there uh, as, as they grow older, but but helping them realize there's a big difference between what they stumbled upon or had a friend show them and what real life healthy 
sexual behavior looks like. Yeah, and I think they're going to be a lot less likely to go back and repeat the experience if they know that you are a support to them and a helper for them to kind of protect them from this than if you come down hard and are, you know, very angry and they're like, oh, well, I'm not going to do that again, right? I actually had that very experience with my oldest daughter. She came to me. We were sitting in a swimming lesson. Of oh, really? Six. Yeah, and she came to me and she said, Mom, I need to talk to you about something. And I was like, okay, what? Well, you know, I'm mm-hmm, not expecting mm-hmm. anything. And she told me about how she had been on YouTube and was Googling music videos. And she saw, uh, I think it was two girls kissing. Mm-hmm. And that was intriguing to her. Mm-hmm. And so she started to kind of Google that a little mm-hmm. bit. And she got into stuff, as you would anticipate, yeah, 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 some for pretty sure. intense stuff. And so I was so grateful. But I can tell you from a parent's perspective, that is difficult it's difficult to maintain that calm <laughs> you know i want i love you and you're I, making me nervous for my future well, you know you gotta, gotta be real here <laughs> yep yep because it's hard it's hard your emotional response is you want to protect you get angry yeah. you get scared so you almost want to lash out at that child and be like what are you thinking why do you mm-hmm. want to do these you know why would you ever do that they didn't do it on purpose it was an accident and usually a designed accident sure then you have to be like, I will protect you and I will work together. So then we started to come up with a plan together. Like, well, if you ever see it again, you let me know and I'll come right in and we'll block it right in and we'll talk about what, what you, you know, what we need to do to keep you safe. And it was less difficult for me from that point on because then I felt safer. I felt less emotional about it because I knew that my child had a plan with me. And so I think that that went a long way to protecting her as she's grown. You know, she's almost, she's 26 now, but and this happened when she was maybe 12 or 13. So, I mean, it's, this has been going on for a while and it's a, it's a problem, but I always think that as parents, we have to take a beat and kind mm-hmm. of like just push down <laughs> our own emotions and then that's hard but yes hard. yes you're right it's very difficult and I'm no expert at it I'm no you know I'm not perfect at it but that was one time when I was kind of proud of myself because I'm like okay but we need to I think that's a great to, example you got to pull this back a little bit and, it, and it's getting trickier all the time I mean honestly with TikTok and influencer culture yeah. you know your your child could be just looking at Minecraft videos on on TikTok or or in it, but then just the ads or things like that, and 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 again going back to the physical chemical response that happens in you know uh, yeah exactly in 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 a adolescent body is is a very natural thing that often is preyed on you know to have those responses to where then they become they kind of go to the shadows like I like I keep saying where they maybe get that taboo negative feeling and then they hide it, which could lead to deceptive behavior. But having a conversation like you said you had with your daughter or anything like that where you just respond without judgment, with love and empathetic listening, I think goes so far. And it brings it into the light, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think when these things are happening in the dark and the shadows and the, you know, hiding and there's a lot of shame involved. For sure, for sure. I'm the only one doing this in the world. And when you have the conversation, you're just giving that child some support and say, hey, I understand you're not alone. I'll help you with this. You don't need to be ashamed. You don't uh-huh. need to be, you don't need to hide. You know, it, those, those are such important things for a child to feel when they're battling these natural tendencies that are being kind of warped and used yeah. for profit. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a sad, hard thing. But, but I think parents can go do a lot to... Mm-hmm. And some of these statistics for their own children. Yeah, when, it, they, when they do that, totally. And 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 kind of going back to the non-judgment, just you know, it's natural 
for any human, especially going through puberty and adolescence, to be curious about sex, to be curious about these kind of things. But you want to have that conversation, again, as awkward as it is and uncomfortable it is, but what real life is versus what these distorted videos and images are found online. And and again, just having that open, um, non-judgmental, and and again, you don't need to get into specifics or any of that kind of... I mean, if you want to, of course you can. Age-appropriate with your child's demeanor and where they're at. Um, and this isn't just one conversation either. I yeah, think. exactly. I think this exactly. is going to be something that you have to talk about a lot because when you think about how much your child's being exposed and how often children are being exposed, one conversation is not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've really got, you've got totally, to kind of make totally. it a regular conversation that you have with your kids and be like, hey, when was the last time you saw this? Yeah. And what, you know, what can I do to help you with this? Because I love that. Not, not, not if. Not if, but when. Yeah. yeah. Because that's, I mean, we, I think we can just assume that almost every child will see it. In fact, one of the, one of the stats we didn't go over was it says um, 93.2% of boys and 62.1% of girls have seen online pornography before age 18. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. basically almost all of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and so you can, I think you can assume that they have seen it yeah. or have been exposed to it in some way. And you just have that conversation like, well, let's, let's talk about the last time that this happened and how did it happen and what can I do? You know, do we need to put more filters in? Do we need to talk about, you know, different things, a different mm-hmm. plan? Do we need to make a different plan? Um, because then when you're bringing it like that, it's just, it's just factual, you know, it's the yeah. same thing as if you're, you know, going to protect your child from driving mm-hmm. accidents, right? Or you yeah. talk about the laws and the rules and how <laughs> are you doing it and are you doing okay? And you watch them while they're driving. Great it's analogy. Not, it's not just a one-time thing. It's it's a safety issue yeah. that you're going to constantly monitor and adapt and ju- adjust until you feel like they're secure. Yeah, you would, you own. don't just give them the keys and say, have at it. No. You know, don't tell me about it. Just go go drive, exactly, right? Exactly. You, you kind of teach and, and, taunt and, and adapt, right? And kind of monitor how they're doing with their skills and abilities. Um, but it's an ongoing thing. I love that. Well, and speaking of tech blocking, like our parental controls, there are a lot of things out there that I think can really work well um, so that you can give them the keys a little bit more gradually, right? So you're not just handing them an open internet Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. without any kind of structure. Um, But it does take a lot of work on a parent's part. But I think that the the devices and the built-in things like into Apple phones and Android phones, the built-in parental controls are becoming so much more effective than they were. Say my kids were growing up, we had to to buy separate devices (laughs) or download different programs. We had K9, we had a Disney Circle was one, and I think Disney Circle is still a really good one to use. And there's some other really good ones out there too that, that give the parent all the power you mm-hmm. can click a button and turn it right off you can blacklist certain sites you can monitor ha- the time usage on mm-hmm. them so that you can see what kids are doing and where they're going um and that can start conversations too because if they know you're watching you can say hey the other night i saw that you went to this website what what is that what tell me what it is or let's go to it together right yeah. now and let's see i want to see what it was oh my gosh yeah. you know those can be powerful things but it does take a lot of work yeah and, for and consistent, sure consistent uh implementation to make it really effective in your home but but yeah like that cliche right an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure and 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 that's so true with any technological you know connections but especially with pornography and and the younger the better again obviously you know not going young elementary but kind of upper elementary and especially with our intermediate age students um you're talking about those different tech 
uses. It reminds me, I, I used to work up in Canyon's district and our big tech guru for the district who was in charge of doing firewalls, you know, for, for all the schools to try to prevent students from accessing pornography or inappropriate sites at school. He, he kind of shared his experience, um, that in his own house with his own children, he's like, guess how many, you know, firewalls and, and restrictions I put in my own, my home. And, and he said none because he knew his kids were very bright and tech, you know, technological where they would always find workarounds. And again, I'm not espousing that you should do zero. I think there's a great use for that. But it, his point was that he wanted them to come talk to him. And his hope was that he had that open communication, that non-judgmental relationship where when, not not if, but when his kids kind of ran into those kind of things, they would be able to come talk to him about them. And on the back end, he was able to monitor and do all that. But but he knew, you know, no matter what kind of things you put in place, like you said, Tanya, there mm-hmm. there's some of these websites and companies that purposely, you know, are, are finding to circumvent, yeah, it. circumvent it through YouTube or TikTok or whatever. But, but again, that relationship is the critical piece, you know, having those conversations, those awkward conversations, those important conversations, but again, leading with the non-judgment and, and that empathetic listening, you yeah. know, are, are so yeah. important. And that's something we all crave. I mean, think about ourselves as adults, you know, we, we all want to be heard. We all want to be valued. None of us like being judged when we do make mistakes or do silly things as, as something we can all relate to, but especially at that teenage years. I mean, we can all relate when we were teenagers and did our own silly, stupid things. We, we, nobody wanted to be, you know, judged, but we all want to just be loved and accepted. Yeah. So this is a tough topic, and I think that this is one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about this specifically, mm-hmm. because there is a lot, you know, the statistics are scary. This is a scary conversation to have sometimes with kids, but awareness is what's going to lead to, you know, a good, healthy, productive conversation that's mm-hmm. going to lead to good, healthy habits for kids. And unless parents are aware, they're not necessarily going to know what the steps are. And so this is one way I think that you guys can maybe just wet your, wet your appetite a little mm-hmm, bit for let's mm-hmm. find out more about it. There's all kinds of information that you can find online. Um, there's some web sites that we can put on our blog in case you want to go click on some of those and see some, some of the statistics that yeah. we've posted that we've talked about here today, but we don't want you to be super scared about this. No, because, not at all. You know, this is the world we live in and we just have to address it very matter of factly yeah. with our students. And, and you guys are the key pivotal mm-hmm. point there, right? Like we, we talk, we do talk to kids when they bring it up with us and we, tr- you know, that's the first thing we tell them is like, talk to your parents, your parents want, For love sure. you. they want to support you, you know, and some kids will be like, I can't, I can't. <laughs> and I, they're going to kill me. Yeah, well, yeah. No, they're going to be scared and they're going to worry about you, but, but they're ultimately going to want to help you. And yeah. so that's that's kind of the the hope that we have for these conversations is that parents will be able to tamp down their their <laughs> scary feelings, have the conversation, set up some really good uh, parameters for their kids to be able to move forward in this kind of scary 
Yeah. And it, uh, yeah, I love everything you just said. One, one resource I just want to highlight because it's Utah centric, utahcoalition.org has a lot of great resources. In fact, I mean, this is kind of a timely thing, but they have a conference actually in St. George in November. So if you listen to this before that, you can go to their website and kind of check that out, um, specifically about pornography for adults and and kids. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, but, but a great resource and, and there's a lot of ones out there, but, but again, so much of it comes back to the relationship and, and just having those conversations with those crucial conversations and, and just supporting your kids. And we are here for you, as Absolutely. always. Um, if you ever have questions or need extra support or ideas for us on how to support our 6th and 7th grade students in, in a lot of these kind of this tough world they're growing up in. And again, not leading with fear, leading with love and optimism and, and just support. Yeah, we love your kids. We love working with them. We appreciate that you trust us to do that with them. Um, so as always, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing the podcast. Um, the more parents we can get this information into the hands of, the more our kids will be protected and safe. And so we appreciate you for telling your neighbors or telling your you know, friends, parents about these podcasts so that we can get this information out. So we'll see you uh, with another to- tough topic, video games, mm-hmm. in a couple weeks. All right. Thank you so much. Okay.